Boasting a population of just under 500, the small community of Wilkeson, Washington lies in the heart of Pierce County's Carbon River Valley. Once a lively and vibrant mining community, it has withstood the test of time, despite seeing an end to its primary economic driver. But rather than resign itself to a fate of joining the ranks of dozens of other ghost towns throughout the state, a future podcast episode no doubt, Wilkeson has endured, and its residents have turned what was once an industrial eyesore into a unique and fascinating historical attraction that helps bolster Wilkeson's blue-collar heritage. I'm Eric Ebel, your fearless field guide to Washington State history, heritage, and culture. And on this episode of the Washington Hour Home Podcast, we'll be revisiting a story I told for Pierce County TV's Rainier Country back in 2015. Join me as we blast, drill, and dig deep into the earth to discover the gritty, sweat-soaked story of Wilkeson. We'll remember the town's last living coal miner, and we'll see how residents today are turning their past into a promising future. This, my friends, is Washington, our home. In its heyday, Wilkeson was home to over 3,000 people, mostly miners, their families, and those whose businesses supported the mining industry. It was 1877, and the Northern Pacific Railroad Company had just finished laying tracks to the new encampment, connecting it with the burgeoning nearby city of Tacoma. Railroad owners were after the rich coal veins that had been discovered nestled in the nearby foothills of the Cascade Mountains. It was actually because of the coal mining. Uh, Wilkeson was the largest town in the state of Washington in, early 18, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Mayor Bob Walker says Wilkeson became the site of a number of coal mines, and as America was becoming more and more industrialized, the need for coal and coal byproducts began to skyrocket. One of those byproducts was coke, an ashy black substance that was most commonly used in the process of turning iron ore into steel something the nation was doing at a breakneck pace. It had a huge impact, not just in Wilkeson, but in the state and all over, to keep furnaces going. In order to meet the demand, mine operators first built an experimental row of pit ovens, then converted to beehive-designed ovens, then abandoned the prototypes and constructed what is now called Wilkeson Coke Oven Park. To make coke, workers would shovel treated coal into this oven. The high temperatures would separate the water, the gas, and the tar, then the gas and the water would combine with the hard residue that was left over, and the result is coke. After two decades between 1898 and 1917, the Wilkeson Coal and Coke Company, which ended up with the property after Northern Pacific divested its interests, owned a battery of 160 coke ovens, built and operated by thousands of immigrants who worked in Wilkeson's mines. When I was going to school, I'd go down to the depot all the time and see how many railroad cars went out. Robert Pololi was only a boy, but remembers the towering flames shooting from the tops of the coke ovens in the 1920s. By the 1940s, he was the one pulling coal out of the mines. Wonderful coal. When we broke through, we drove 380 feet, I think, something like that. And when you're going in there, after the smoke was out, and I seen something black, and there was a big piece of coal, number seven. The first piece came out of the mine, I got it home. Pololi was born in Wilkeson, continues to live in Wilkeson, and is known both affectionately and factually 
as the town's last living coal miner. That's going way, way back. After serving in World War II, Pololi and his partners opened their own coal mine in Wilkeson, but stricter mining safety regulations and environmental laws made it impossible for small mining operations to continue past the late 1970s. Here I'm with a hose, and I seen all this orange stuff going. I says, Joe, what's that? He says, that's gas. It was loaded. You had to put air behind it to get it started. It was so heavy. If that exploded, you wouldn't even found a fingernail. In 2009, during the town's 100th birthday celebration, Wilkeson recognized Pololi and the other miners and quarry workers for their contributions. City leaders erected this 18-ton sandstone slab depicting a miner riding a coal car coming out of the Skookum Slope mine. It was inspired by this 1943 photo of Robert Pololi. Guy said, can I take your picture? I said, if you want to, I don't care. And nobody's seen that picture until well, it was about 2006, because the guy brought it to me and I looked at the picture and I said, that's me. On September 16, 2014, members of the Pierce County Council voted unanimously to put Wilkeson's Coke ovens on the county's register of historic places. Dan Roach is the council chair and represents the first district in which Wilkeson resides. That's what brought people to Wilkeson in the first place in Carbonado and out in those areas. A lot of people came in from out of state and out of country to, to work these mines and to work the coal and the sandstone. So it's, it's really you know, part of that heritage. A heritage Mayor Walker and Robert Pololi would like to see continue for another hundred years. Some of the things have changed, but not, not a whole lot. We just try to stay a nice, close-knit community and, and try to help one another out. And that's what I like about living here. I love Wilkerson. I wouldn't leave here for nobody. The best place there is to live and to raise a family. Washington State owes its very existence to miners like Robert Pololi and others who used our state's plentiful natural resources to help build America into what it is today. That was eight years ago when Robert Pololi was celebrating his 91st birthday. Then, in 2020, Wilkerson's last living coal miner passed away at the ripe old age of 97 at his home in Wilkeson, right where he wanted to be. His obituary in the Enumclaw Courier-Herald read as follows. Robert was born, raised, and lived his entire life in Wilkeson. We'll never forget his passion and love for the town of Wilkeson, the school, the coal mines where he worked for many years, prior to being hired by Mount Rainier National Park Service out of Longmire as an electrician until he retired. He had a never-ending obsession with cutting firewood and chopping cedar kindling. He also loved picking wild blackberries. Robert served in the Army in World War II. On his return home, he and Laureen Babe Williams married in 1947 and had three children. They were happily married for 70 years. Robert made lots of great friends through the years, but his family always came first. He leaves behind a son and daughter, eight grandchildren, and 13 great-grandchildren. Robert was dearly loved by so many and will be greatly missed by all of us. Donations in his memory can be made to Rails to Trails or the Wilkeson Eagles. All right, let's do some trivia based on Robert Pololi's story and the Wilkeson Coke Oven history, shall we? Question 1. 
At the height of its boom years, Wilkeson, Washington boasted a population of roughly 3,000 people. About how many people live in Wilkeson today? Your multiple choice answers are around 100, 500, 1,000, or 2,500. Question 2. Which railway company connected Wilkeson with the city of Tacoma back in 1877? Was it the Union Pacific? The Great Northern? The Northern Pacific? Or Burlington Northern? It's a lot of Northerns. Question 3. In the Rainier Country piece, I explained the formula for making Coke. Workers would shovel treated coal into the ovens, and the high temperatures would separate the water, the gas, and the tar from the remaining residue. Which of these combinations then brought about the formation of coke? Was it A, water and tar and residue? B, tar and residue and gas? C, water and gas and tar? Or D, gas and water and residue? Question 4. What item did Robert Pololi say would not have even been found had the orange gas in the coal mine ignited? Was it a shoelace? A fingernail? A button? Or was it a pinky toe? And question 5. What year did the Pierce County Council list the Wilkeson Coke ovens on the county's historic register? Was it 2009, 2010, 2014, or 2020. Answers to come at the end of this episode. One thing before we drill into Wilkeson's history, I've set up a Patreon account so listeners like you can help support great content like this. If you're a dedicated listener and want to become one of the elite few who take an active role in discovering and sharing the stories from around the greatest state in the lower 48, please take a moment to visit patreon.com slash Washington Our Home. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon dot com slash Washington Our Home. I've set up six membership tiers, each with a cooler perk you won't want to miss. If you enroll in Tier 1, the tourist tier, I'll give you a personal shout-out on the show and on the Washington Our Home social media accounts. Sign up for the Traveler tier and get the shout-out plus a sweet one-of-a-kind state sticker that I designed. Join the Explorer tier for a limited edition mini print celebrating Washington State. I also designed that myself. You'll also get a shout-out for that. At the adventurer level, you get a unique Washington flag mug made from some of the most iconic imagery around Washington State. Sign up for the Trailblazer tier and get a limited edition Washington t-shirt that'll make all your California friends jealous. And enroll in the Mountaineer tier to be able to pick your own topic for a future Washington Our Home podcast episode. And participate in a live video Q&A session with me, your fearless field guide. Once again, your support will help me continue making these podcasts as well as the videos, books, and more. I really appreciate you taking the time to check that out. Again, go to patreon.com slash Washington Our Home to join now. Thank you so much. Now, 
let's get back to the history of Wilkeson, Washington. And I probably should mention that many people mispronounce it as Wilkerson, something my spell check has been trying to correct every time I wrote the darn thing. Anyway, the coal in the earth around Wilkeson existed long before the Cascade Mountains rose to their towering heights. So imagine this. A flat layer of coal is covered by lava flows over the course of millions of years. During that time, the tectonic Pacific Plate, the Northern American Plate, and the Juan de Fuca Plate are all colliding with each other and begin creating giant folds in the earth that are now known as the Cascade Mountain Range. If you have no idea what a tectonic plate is, go listen to the Earthquakes in the Pacific Northwest podcast episode that I published back in January 2021. So what happens when a flat layer of coal is broken by a mountain range rising out of the ground? Well, that flat layer becomes much more vertical as opposed to horizontal, making it more difficult to mine. While the coal veins remained a tempting deposit for investors throughout the years, their elevated direction vexed quite a few companies right into bankruptcy. Of course, long before non-natives arrived to mine that coal, local indigenous tribes fished and hunted game and cultivated wild berries and other plant resources in the foothills surrounding the future site of Wilkeson. Then, according to the Skagit River Journal, sometime in the period of 1876 to 1878, four large coal veins were discovered and began to be mined near the region known as Carbonado in the Cascade foothills. A small village formed and was named after Samuel Wilkeson, a journalist and former Civil War battlefield correspondent, who helped to promote the Pacific Northwest for the Northern Pacific Railroad Company back in 1869. Samuel, interestingly, was married to Catherine Cady, the sister of famous suffragette Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Hmm. Speaking of the Northern Pacific, it really was the railroad that guaranteed the small town's early success. The company was desperately short on funds and sent a mining engineer to investigate the potential for coal harvesting. He reported favorable opportunities and encouraged the company to acquire land there, which they did. The Northern Pacific then built a 31-mile branch line from Tacoma to Wilkeson, allowing the railway to claim new tracts containing the valuable coal deposits. The line opened November 1877, along with a post office, which the postmaster named for Samuel Wilkeson. The first trainload of Wilkeson coal arrived in Tacoma on November 30th, 1877, but the press cast doubt on the company's prospects. The writers of Olympia's Washington Standard agreed that the coal was of excellent quality, but they concluded that the difficulty experienced in mining it, along with the cost of getting it to the market, would prevent the company from successfully competing with other mines in the region. Remember, these are nearly vertical mine shafts. Despite these difficulties, rival companies soon competed with the Northern Pacific to get at the rich coal veins, and in 1878, Edward Slade Smith created the Tacoma Coal Company. Smith opened a mine, and around 1880 launched Wilkeson's coking industry. To produce coke, coal is baked for 48 to 72 hours to remove impurities. The company first did so in simple, four-foot-deep pits in the ground. Then, they moved on to build two brick beehive-shaped coke ovens in 1885. Operators loaded some five tons of coal into the six-foot-tall, 12-foot-wide ovens through a hole in the top and removed the finished coke 
from the openings in the side. By 1877, they had moved on to build 30 ovens, producing 1,000 tons of coke a month. And in late 1888, another 50 were under construction. At its height, there were somewhere around 160 coke ovens, all firing coal at the same time. Some of the black and white pictures you can find to this day are amazing. There's a railroad line that goes right over the top, and there are flames shooting out of these holes in the earth about 12 to 20 feet high. Now, besides coke and coal, Wilkeson was producing another valuable commodity around this time as well. Sandstone. The Wilkeson Quarry opened in 1886 and contributed to the construction of Pierce County's courthouse, Plymouth Congregational Church in Seattle, St. Luke's Lutheran Church in Tacoma, the Federal Building in Everett, both Lincoln and Stadium High Schools in Tacoma, the downtown branch of the Tacoma Public Library, and much of the Washington State Capitol campus, including the Capitol Dome. Think of that the next time you scale the steps of the Capitol and rest your hand against one of its monumental sandstone pillars. Difficulty mining nearly vertical coal veins, coupled with the labor strife in the early 20th century and ever-tightening environmental restrictions, soon led to the end of Wilkeson's coal and sandstone boom. But its legacy in Washington state history was already chiseled into the history books. Residents today are proud of their hardworking heritage and enjoy telling their story to visitors passing through on their way to Mount Rainier and the Carbon Glacier. A topic on which I'll soon have a forthcoming podcast, thanks to some of my new Patreon supporters. Much of the rail line from Tacoma to Wilkeson has been turned into the popular Foothills Trail, and the town is dotted with interpretive signs. The Coke ovens of so long ago are still present, and can be viewed in Wilkeson, just past the historic schoolhouse. If you have the time, and want to get out of the city for a great heritage destination, please consider Wilkeson, Washington. That's it for the story of Wilkeson and its historic Coke ovens. Again, if you're a dedicated listener and want to hear more of these podcasts, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. Go to patreon.com slash Washington Our Home and select which membership tier you want to join. The tourist tier is just a dollar a month. The Trailblazer tier gets a limited edition t-shirt. And to really rise to the summit, join the Mountaineer tier to be able to pick your own topic for a future Washington Hour Home podcast episode that I will research and record for you. And participate in a live Q&A session with me, Eric Ebel, your fearless field guide to Washington State history, heritage, and culture. Just go to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Washington Hour Home, and thank you for your support. I wouldn't be able to do this without you. You know what the music means. It's time to get the answers to today's trivia questions. Question one. At the height of its boom years, Wilkeson, Washington boasted a population of roughly 3,000 people. About how many people currently make their home in Wilkeson today? Your answers of choice were about 100, 500, 1,000, or 2,500. There are, in fact... 500 dedicated full-time residents living in Wilkeson today. 
Question 2. Which railway company connected Wilkeson with the city of Tacoma back in 1877? Was it the Union Pacific, the Great Northern, the Northern Pacific, or the Burlington Northern? If you paid any attention to this episode, you would know that would be the Northern Pacific Railroad. Question 3. In the Rainier Country piece, I explained the formula for making coke. Workers would shovel the treated coal into the ovens, and the high temperatures would separate the water, the gas, and the tar from the residue. Which of these combinations then brought about the formation of coke? Was it A, water, tar, and residue? B, tar and residue and gas? C, water, gas, and tar? Or D, gas and water and residue? It's understandable if you were confused, but the answer is D, the gas and water combine with the residue to make coke. Question four, what item did Robert Pololi say would not have even been found had the orange gas in the coal mine ignited? Was it his shoelace, a fingernail, a button, or was it a pinky toe? Let's listen again. If that exploded, you wouldn't even found a fingernail. There you have it. Nary a fingernail would have been found had the gas in the mine exploded, according to Wilkeson's last coal miner. And question five. What year did the Pierce County Council list the Wilkeson Coke ovens on the county's historic register? Was it 2009, 10, 14, or 20? The answer was 2014. And those Coke ovens are also listed on the state and national register of historic places. My thanks to HistoryLink.org and essayist David Norberg for their thumbnail history of Wilkeson. <laughs> thumbnail. Maybe that's all they found after a gas explosion. I also want to give a shout out to Pierce County Television for the great work they do covering issues in that county. And specific thanks to Dave Kelman, the photojournalist who shot and edited the Wilkeson Coke oven piece. Dave is one of the best photogs I've ever worked with. And a great guy at that. And you can actually watch the Coke Oven piece on YouTube to see Robert Pololi in the flesh, take a look at that 18-ton sandstone slab, and check out the picture of Pololi in front of the Skookum Slope Mine. Just go to YouTube.com and type in Wilkeson Coke Ovens and click on the PCTV piece. Please take a quick second to rate this podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. Five-star ratings help us get the word out to more people. Be sure to subscribe for new episodes featuring stories from Washington State's history and heritage and culture. And follow Washington Our Home on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. You can also send me feedback, ask questions, or even sponsor the show by reaching out to me at Eric, E-R-I-C-H, at WashingtonOurHome.com. Next month's episode is really going to be fun. We are talking about the Washington State Bucket List. What is on your list of things you must do in Washington State before you kick the bucket? There's a lot of great suggestions. Find out how many of them can make it into our top 10. Until next month, I'm your fearless field guide, Eric Ebel, and I'll see you somewhere in Washington. Oh,